Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. I'm Feral, and this is episode 34 and we're going to take a minute to address some stuff because like four weeks ago I announced that we weren't going to be making the podcast anymore and I've changed my mind and I want to just talk to you guys a little bit about where that came from and uh, and everything uh basically like i'm super busy you guys i don't know some of you guys probably know this because i talk about it a little bit on the show but you know i'm like a young father and i have three kids and and life's busy and i work full-time my wife works full-time i find time to play video games and then i decided to make this podcast with blood back in the day there like a year and a half ago and uh at least and um it it was really successful and uh after a while we made a patreon and uh i don't know reflecting back i think that was a mistake i think uh you guys like paying real money like your hard-earned money um for us to make a podcast kind of took the fun out of it for me uh i felt like i had to make shows even if i didn't enjoy it and that feeling kind of just built and uh sucked so i'm not gonna take you guys' money anymore um i just I canceled the the Patreon after I stopped making content and took that break, and I'm not going to start it back up again. Uh, I, I I'm genuinely appreciative of the people that did sub to Patreon, but again, I just want to do this because it's fun and I enjoy it. Um, and having the weight of people paying for it uh, kind of makes kind of makes makes it so that I feel like I have to do it. It's like a big weight on my shoulders. So if you like the episode, if you want to support the show, just send me some ISK. And uh, if I have an abundance of ISK, I'll, you know, SRP, new, newbies, PVP losses, or sponsor uh, events in the community and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The other thing that uh, was kind of tough is when I did get busy, uh, I it was tough to get content that is really engaging and fun to talk about. and and put those shows together. It's just a lot of work. And uh, Casper had was filling in, and and we I I really enjoy making shows with Casper. He's fun fun. But um, I wanted to add a couple more people to the mix, just so there's more flexibility. If I have something going on and we want to get a show on a two weeks week cycle, um, I don't necessarily have to devote the time that I don't have to it. I can just speak up, and and somebody else will kind of fill in as we go. Um, so I, I did like a lot of, you know. A lot of thinking on on who to ask to join Casper and I, and uh, I I kind of figured, what the hell? Why don't we just include the people who have been helping out, like on the Discord moderating? So that's Ten and Andy Astronaut. And uh, tonight was kind of a good example of the flexibility in that I just put it out to everyone, like, hey guys, who wants to record on, you know, Sunday? And uh, Casper's super busy, and Andy was busy, and and Ten was free, so I'm joined uh, tonight by Ten. 10 i think your your in-game name is 10 arrest right i just yes, that's even though we're in a corp together it's like i can't remember your last name but arrest 10 arrest uh everyone's favorite moderator so now you guys can hear his voice and and have more things to flame him about so i don't know why don't you kind of just give like a quick intro about yourself uh 
this is your this is your three minutes. All right. You know, part of Furnace, I guess I started getting into Small Gang a couple of years ago, or I don't know, really the first time I did it was many years ago before the T3 Cruiser change um, in a little group of like five extremely expensive remote rep spider tanking T3 Cruisers. Um, and that like some of those fights I still remember, even though it's been five years maybe now. Um, so that's what I've been looking to do and that's what I've been enjoying doing. And um, when my last group kind of put themselves on the shelf because um, leadership being absent and all that, uh, I decided I wanted to join Thermo. Nice, man. Yeah, I remember that. Um, <clears throat> I remember when you joined. I, I, I hadn't been in Thermo for too long before that, but instantly kind of clicked and uh, fell into place. And you've flown a lot of cool stuff that I don't see other people fly as well, like the like the Flycatcher, Nano Gang Flycatcher and stuff like that. Just kind of ships that, you know, are, are out of the norm that you kind of only want one in a gang, which is kind of neat to see. Yeah, it's fun. I've always, you know, even... And when I've been in null groups and stuff, I've always been more interested in the the Hick or the Recon or, you know, something more than just straight DPS. So having some extra utility in roles is what, what appeals to me. Absolutely. So that's kind of what you guys can expect. You can expect, like, the majority of the time, me and one or two of the other three guys. Sometimes I might not be here and they'll fill in. We'll have a guest here and there, stuff like that. Same thing before, but kind of rotating through people, and there'll be uh, more people to just kind of help with the show doc and planning and stuff like that. So should be good. I'm I'm super excited. I during my break, I didn't play Eve either. I completely became turned off to the game. Um, I didn't enjoy playing. I tried playing other things. I mean, you guys could tell the last episode we recorded. I talked about Albion for half of it. I'm not playing Albion anymore. That that faded pretty quick. Um, I tried to play Elder Scrolls Online. I got Google Stadia, which is actually pretty amazing technology. It's very cool. It had a really shitty launch and got lots of like uh, the internet trolls riled up. But <clears throat> just try it, and it's it works really well. Like you can play it on your phone, on your laptop, all these other other little games. You'd have to buy new games, which you know kind of sucks. But um, it's it's like a nice thing to accompany uh, playing Eve uh, here and there on the side. Uh, I played the division two a bit, but everything kind of just felt empty. Like, I don't know. I like feeling really connected to games and really getting into them. And I don't know if anything's ever going to be able to fill the hole that Eve would leave. Um, obviously every once in a while you need a break or two. That's something, something I think everyone can relate to. But the moral of the story is that I just really couldn't, I don't know. It was like, yeah, it was like four weeks, like a month month five weeks that uh i didn't really play or make content for the show and uh just one day i was like yep that's it i'm go i'm going back so here we are so with that said let's get into what we've been up to lately uh you want to go first 10 uh sure um i've been a little bit busy with real life lately so i've only been in a couple of really interesting fights but um we got in one with Requiem Eternal the other day, um, that was really entertaining, uh, both before and during, because there were caps on field and battleships warping in, and 
you know, all this stuff. And if you look at that battle report, which is that um, link there, you'll see that a couple of pilots died in five, four, three, like multiple ships. And I think what actually happened is the the Maelstrom we caught first, you know, he died and came back in his Haw Phoenix. And then while he was tackled, this his alt, I assume, warped in a Megathron and then a Jaguar and then a Dragoon and <laughs> Dominix. And, um, you know, it was kind of a train wreck. And in the end, we had to sort of grab these guys who were wandering by to help us kill this Thanatos that was tanking like a champion. Um, but it was really interesting because we had two battleships and a pretty good support set. Um, we had a Osprey Navy, you know, a couple of interceptors and uh, my curse, which I haven't flown in a while. Uh, so it was really, really cool to be on grid with the, you know, the like 12 active module max APM curse and have some things that were significantly challenging us, but enough tools on our side to like punch back against that, even though it's capitals and subcaps all piling all over us. I'm looking at this carrier fit and that is not uh, a standard fit you see very often. So this dude has a, <clears throat> a, a capital cap booster in his Thanatos. The rest of his mids are devoted to an active shield tank. So he's got dual Pythics X uh, shield boost amps, a C-type uh, multi-spectrum hardener, and a, uh, a Concord Capital Shield Booster. So, yeah, I, no doubt he was tanking like a champ. He, he tanked w almost 1.4 million damage. Um, that's pretty insane. You never really see that. You always see, like, buffer. Yeah. Like, they're always buffer. Or sometimes ratting carriers would be, like, light armor rep, like a single armor rep or something like that. But, yeah, usually for carrier ratting, which I yeah. have done twice-ish, but... Uh, just like a shield buffer regens enough to tank or a single armor up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this this was like his his PvP fit, I think. Hmm. Did you guys use any tactics to kind of negate the fighters? Yeah, we um, had Yan, who was in the Osprey Navy and um, Cricket, uh, a Cronus Ritual guy who came out with us. Uh, in a VEDMAC, just spent like half the fight just chewing up his fighter squadrons, shooting them down to one or two fighters. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes a remarkable difference. Like the squadrons that were full were hitting my curse for like 300 a volley, maybe. And the one that had one or two fighters was hitting it for like 30 per volley. So, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, but yeah, that looks like a pretty good BR. You guys sold Thanatos to Phoenix and then a bunch of other random crap. Yeah, it was fun. There's just um, most of the rest of the subcaps all kind of came in like one, two, three at a time. Um, the, the, th <laughs> the Thrashers and the Slasher all came in at once and tried to gank my curse, which I thought was a weird choice. Nice. But, you know, whatever. How was your curse fit? Um, three medium newts, two smalls, uh, and two of each tracking disruptor. And a you know basic ancillary armor tank. Yeah, and on an MWD. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Sweet man, that looks fun. <laughs> I remember I was at I think I was at work that night. You guys got that fight, but uh, so I've been flying Vedmac pretty much exclusively. Um, 
had one night I was roaming. It was like my first night back into the game. And uh, we were just roaming around. I don't know. We had like a six or seven man gang. Um, and I came in and saw a mining op on D, uh, barges and Orca. And I, I had their, them D scan pretty quick. And I saw all the barges dock up, but I, I knew the Orca uh, was probably using links. So the way it works for structures, guys, if you're mining on like an Athenor, you warped onto the Athenor, you can't tether or dock if you have your links up recently because you get the timer. So if you ever see an Orca, um, always make sure that it's tethered. Like it might not be, anticipate it not being because this one wasn't. So he was just sitting on the edge of the Athenor. And it, it's a pretty risky place to take a fight because for a small gang, like dealing with any of the structures can be pretty terrible. Uh, but sometimes like the people mining don't have permissions to sit in it or something like that because the the permissions aren't set up. So sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. So, so I tackled this Orca. <clears throat> My fleet was actually... They had tackled, uh, I can't remember, I think it was a combat ship, like a ratting ship that we were going to hold. But we decided, hey, this orca is probably a better target for them to respond to. Let's just move over and, and start pushing it. So we pushed it into pretty deep structure. And then uh, ships started pouring in. So we ended up having a really good fight. And uh, Rex Rex was actually holding the orca as we were fighting. And he... He he ended up losing point eventually, which is fine because it was a really crazy grid. But um, I think he felt bad because of it, and I don't know. He he like he started flying with us here and there, but uh, we don't really care about the orca, right? That's the thing is like we got a fight out of it, and that was the objective of tackling it. So we ended up getting like a bunch of kills, like drakes and Feroxes. They had like scythe logi, some ram jags for tackle. It was like a pretty cool T1 just shield buffer with some light shield logi. We had a nightmare was as our like main damage, and then me and a Vedmac, we had like a vagabond, phantasm, stuff like that, a Draugr, uh, and the carries. So it was pretty fun. We we didn't really we didn't lose anything, I don't think, and we kind of mopped the floor. We got like a billion, almost a bill worth of kills, and uh, except the orca got away. So shame on Rex. Yeah, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And yes, the the orca isn't the point. The orca is the means. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's the ESS. So, so yeah. So that was fun. And then something that like doesn't happen very often. Like I don't kill a lot of carriers because we just I don't really see them. We don't form up in gangs to really like go gank carriers. It's not really our style. But I was ro- roaming with uh, SMH. Uh, he was in a nano shield Belgord, and i was in my bed mech and then we had his alt in a bifrost and uh we found a carrier a thanatos ratting tackled it and we ended up killing it um just the two of us uh which was pretty entertaining this one it was like the ratting light armor rep fit and towards the end he actually uh, initiated self-destruct and then uh an orthrus and a thorax like warped in so I kind of pulled off to circle around and grab this Orthrus. And because uh, we wanted to dispatch the, the Orthrus as quick as we could because of the tackle and the, the threat of the fighters, right? Right. So all I hear, like I burned out of targeting range of the fi- of the carrier actually to get the Orthrus. And then I just hear SMH like laughing, like giggling 
that the carrier died and we didn't really understand how because he was in deep structure but neither of us were shooting him so i just assumed the rats in the site finished him off but it turns out that he had initiated self-destruct we saw it in the combat log um so then we just i rammed the orthrus we killed it and moved on but then the next day i woke up and we went out again the two of us and caught another thanatos but this one was shield buffer fit uh it was like proper fit it was it was good it was tougher to kill. Uh, he was better with his fighters, and uh, and we we did the same thing. We pushed the fighters down. So A is I put a set. Of, I had a set of EC six hundreds, and I would put that on one squadron, the full health squadron, and then the other two we shot down to uh, like low health. Um, so to explain, I'll just kind of explain like the way the fighter squadron mechanics work a little bit for you guys if you're not aware. But like the light fighters and a carrier, there are nine fighters in each squadron. So like physically, they buy nine of them. They then load nine into that slot. Then they launch nine of them in that one squadron slot. And as you shoot them, um, the, the health bars are divided into nine segments. And each health bar is actually one fighter. Z-Kill doesn't really show it this way because of the weird kill mail mechanics. You only get a kill mail when you kill the full squadron um even if it's one remaining or nine left you have to kill the full squadron and then it counts as like one fighter even if you kill the full squadron of nine there's no way to differentiate that on the server side i guess yeah it doesn't i don't think there is because it's treated as one yeah unit in terms of targeting and interacting yeah um and that also, like the kill mail, looks like it's it's weirdly cheap because it's the price of one fighter. Yeah, so exactly. Every if you full, kill a full squad, it's it's actually the kill mail value times nine. But the thing that does matter is that it's one ninth as effective. Like it's it's you know what I mean. Like if you kill eight of them, it is way less powerful because it's only it's a ninth of the damage rather than you know one hundred percent of the damage. So. Sometimes carrier pilots like won't really notice that in the heat of the moment. So if you shoot them down but don't kill them, uh, it's a it's a really good move because it forces them to pull them back in and then like unload and reload. Even if they notice, it's a better move because it takes more time uh, than it does for them to just have a dead squadron and then they just drag their new fighters into the reload tubes and push them out, um, forcing them to recall and then doing it that way. It takes more time, so. So it's a little a little pro tip um, to, to do it that way. And then also just like on grid, I don't know if you guys did this, but we were bouncing around a lot, like burn a ping, like 200 off. And then I would just drag the, the fighters off. I could tank them while they were under their MWD. And then I was faster than them MWD off with their MWD off, I mean. So I would just burn away, tank them, and then pull them way off, and then just warp back down and start shooting the carrier, stuff like that. And that must have been frustrating because. Yeah, we were definitely doing that too. We had, um, I think, Jocastus' uh, interceptor all burned off like 400k. And so if anyone was in any trouble, he'd just, we'd just warp off and back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, try to pull them as far as they can go. Because once they are on cooldown with their MWD, it actually takes them kind of a while to get any significant distance. But also the EC drones. Fighters have really shit sensor strength. So. They're very prone to ECM. Yeah, for sure. And um, something else to keep in mind about that if you're shooting those fighters is that you want to kind of concentrate your damage on one squadron 
because they take damage one fighter at a time. And you'll see each little health bar go like, I think it's yellow and then orange and then they die. Um, but they will repair if you don't kill them. So it's usually better to just like kill all the way through five or seven of them and then switch squadrons rather than trying to shoot all of them at once. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fun killing like killing carriers with two people is actually surprisingly fun. Um, even though they were ratting, uh, it it still is really dangerous. Like the dam, I'm mean, gonna damage they can do. You know, I was just in a Vedmac and SMH was in uh, Balgorn. Yeah, so I gotta oh. ask about that. Like, how's the Nano Balgorn working out? <laughs> I mean, you'd have to talk ask him, but like. It, we flew some pretty spicy areas, like coming back from that carrier kill, Razor formed up with like battleships and stuff. And I had burnt my gun. So I was like burning back to there a couple jumps and I just grabbed my my bling Mally to come back and support SMH. And he, like I was talking to him, he's like, I'm just getting a warp in for my battle. I'm gonna warp in on these guys. And it was like 12, like have pretty heavy ships from Razor. And they had some fast tackle and so went back and screened for him, and we killed a couple of things and then took off. But uh, I don't know. It seemed to be working pretty good. Like, I think he was enjoying it. It has its weaknesses, its its limits. I think um, <clears throat> I think its biggest weakness is the fact that he doesn't run a cap injector on it. He's using two NOS. So, oh, I see. So if stuff's not within 30 or 40 or whatever, he can't really yeah. cap himself up very well. Yeah, so if, you're, if you don't have things you can cap up off of, yeah, it's tough. Um, but I mean, it looks super fun. He was flying it well, pretty, pretty sick, but yeah. Interesting utility choices relative to like, like I'm sure a nightmare does more damage, but the bell gets the webs and everything. So yeah, long yeah, webs and probably fun. Yeah. And it gets pretty good damage and stuff too. Right. So, and nightmares are pretty spoopy for people, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, and people definitely, you know, they do not expect Valgorns to, nano around and laser them yeah you know there's the like oh a balgorn i want to stay away from it but it's like yeah you know you don't balgorns don't really chase you down exactly they're not known for their speed no and they they also don't get a tracking bonus but you you do have the webs so it kind of negates it like as long as you're webbing down the thing you're shooting right but um yeah so you just have to be careful because it doesn't have a tracking bonus and it is a battleship so i don't know if you're going to try it keep that in mind yeah, I'd be curious to see how he was using the drones too, because they have a significant drone bay. Yeah, I don't recall. I I wasn't paying that much attention to it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, flying your own ship and all that. Yeah. So let's get into uh, some recent ship change thoughts because this is kind of go back like, well, not even just ship changes, but the ESS changes as well that are kind of half announced. Um, because we had the, we'll just quickly go over them. We had the interdictors, we had the combat interceptors, and then we had the blops got a minor buff there a, a little while back too. So let's um, let's kind of go through that. We'll start with the interdictors. We'll start with the saber. It got no changes because <laughs> saber's good. It I think the saber is the benchmark here, uh, right? Yeah, they're definitely trying to like move the other interdictors up so that they see some use relative to the saber. Yeah. For sure. So, why don't you you like the flycatcher? So, like, start talking about the flycatcher, and I'll grab the one of the other ones after. All right. Um, so, the main thing that happened to the flycatcher is that it lost its um, application bonus. It used to have a ten percent level bonus to missile explosion radius, um, and that was removed. 
and they they did this on a couple of them. They shuffled the the location of the damage bonus from the interdictor skill to the Caldari destroyer skill, and then the interdictor bonus changed to 10% uh, more shield HP per level. So it now gets a at max skills a 50% bonus to shield HP, which makes you know throwing an extender or two on it quite quite good. Um, and I was and uh, the only other changes that they added. 10 CPU. All three of them that aren't the Saber got some fitting buffs, um, but the Flycatcher just got a 10 CPU bonus. The others both got CPU and Power Grid. Nice. It And the fits, like, the fit you were flying was really tight on CPU, right? So that's that CPU is pretty nice. Yeah, I've been playing with it in Pyfo a lot, trying to, like, settle on a new fit. Um, and it definitely is nice. I think it's going to have the, the both the tank and the space. I'm going to, I have a I think I had on one of my fits a small shield extender just kind of wedged in there because nothing else fit. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to ditch that for a long point, actually. Yeah. Because um, I think that'll be useful. Right, and it has uh, a web, Especially, right? it has a web already, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And so now with the CPU, that can all fit. Um, and with the HP bonus, it you know, no longer feels like you're clawing up every last bit of hit points you can get because they're a little slow and fat. Sick. I like it. I think maybe I misread it, but or maybe they they edited it. But I the first time I read through it, I saw the kinetic damage missile, the the you know bonus to kinetic missile damage removed, and then the ten percent bonus to missile damage. And I was I was excited because I thought they removed the kin lock, but when I looked at it after, I saw kinetic damage. So I don't know, maybe it was just like wishful reading, or maybe they made a boo boo. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's It definitely still has the kinetic yeah. lock. So I'll go over the Heretic. Um, so the Heretic uh, got a pretty hefty CPU uh, increase of 30, as well as 10 PG. Uh, and then they changed its... It had like a, a light missile and rocket max velocity, so that's like a range bonus. And they changed it to... Uh, a sh an armor HP per level, 10% armor HP per level. So it got tankier and lost range, basically. Uh, and then the Aeris, uh, it was, it's probably like the biggest change, right? So it got a very hefty CPU bump, a quite a hefty power grid bump. It also got a velocity increase. Um, it got a SIG radius reduction, got a mass reduction. This is, this is justified because the Aeris was fucking hot garbage. It was the biggest dumpster fire of a of an interdictor. No one ever used was. no one ever used one. So they they added all those buffs, and then they also they moved the five percent rate of fire to the other skill set. Yes, that's what they and did. They lost the optimal range bonus and gained this this really interesting um, fifteen percent reduction to mass penalty from armor plates per level. I haven't even looked at one in Pyfe yet. I, I don't. I'd like to be quite honest. It's not really my thing. Like the like, I don't know. I like to do damage from outside blaster range. <laughs> yeah, I think if it still had the optimal range bonus, it would actually make quite a kiting um, railgun platform at this point. Yeah, but um, but it did. So I don't know. It's now the second fastest base speed behind the saber of the four. And I think it's the lowest mass or close to it. So it's probably 
especially tanked, one of the more nimble yeah. uh, interdictors now. So, like, it's still going to be a good interdictor. I just don't know if I would like it for, like, the ultra kind of smaller stuff that I that I do. Um, because, I mean, the Saber doesn't have range, and it's it's clearly the most used interdictor. It's It does its job well. Um, but I think this would, I think this could do a, a, the job of, like, tackling capitals with a cloak. Um, it's, it's pretty agile. It's pretty speedy. You know, you can do stuff like that. Um, and it, it, I imagine the tank is okay. Yeah, it does. I mean, it has a ton of low slots, so it can, you know, fit a pretty good tank. And especially since now the plates don't cripple its agility, um, I think it will make a pretty good, like, fast warp tack, uh, capital catcher. Yeah. I, I read through the patch notes on this when they were announced and everything, and I just never fucked with it. And I, I, I don't plan on. So the flycatcher, the heretic, I, I would, I would fly yes. both in small gang. I yeah. tried them because you can I've do been... so much, right? Like you, you know, because you fly it. Like you can, you do a lot with defensive bubbles and stuff. It's a really good utility tool. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, and the heretic and the flycatcher, you know, not destroyers are slow, all of them, but uh, they're fast enough, especially if you have some lower mid grade implants in that you can. Make some plays at least. Feel like you're not just like also there. Yeah. And then the other change to all interdictors is there's a new type of of uh like ammo for the interdiction sphere launcher, which we uh we are gonna be calling the wubble, which someone made up and uh it's pretty good. That's, it's like a web official. bubble. CCP Aurora <laughs> used that term on the on the forums. It's it's a wubble. <laughs> It's official. So I hated this when I initially read it. I was like, seriously, a fucking web, like a web bubble that is like gate camps are going to be fucking terrible because you're just going to jump in and you're going to be immediately webbed. Uh, like immediately, as soon as you decloak, there won't even be a server tech where you can like get speed back to gate. That's dumb. But the way they did it, it doesn't function like uh like a warp destruction bubble, right? And so, so basically, you have to think of this as a negative effect, like offensive um, skirmish link or, or shield link, like a command burst. So it goes out, it has a 10-kilometer radius around your ship, and there's a delay of three seconds. And anyone caught in that bubble after the delay will have a 30-second web effect applied to the ship, right? I explained that right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. If you've ever used a burst projector on a super or on a citadel, um, like the, you know, the, they have web, or I'm sorry, new bursts or target painter bursts and things like that. Um, it's sort of the same principle. It creates a thing in space, which is, you know, a stasis webification probe or whatever it's called that after three seconds explodes and everything within 10 kilometers of it at that server tick gets this effect applied. So you can't fly out of the effect. You know, you're stuck with it for the duration, which is 30 seconds. And it's a but 30%. It's also, yeah, it's a 30% yeah. debuff, so it's not the end of the world. But it stacks with a normal web, too, with no stacking penalty, right? Uh, I hadn't heard that, but that's possible. I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty sure I... I'm pretty sure I read that it it's it's like if you throw this up and then you web someone with a 60% web they'll have a 90% speed reduction. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And the, the, you know, kind of delayed fire of it, I think will be make it an interesting choice for small gang because you can drop them as things are chasing you. And if not webbing them and slowing them, I think it'll definitely create a, a deterrent effect around it. Yeah. Could you imagine like a interceptor gets in on your interdictor and lands a scram and you just like launch one of these and then web it like 90% web on an interceptor. Yeah. And then just <laughs> fill it with light missiles <laughs> or just, or just have your buddy just volley it. That's pretty good. Yep. I like it. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it gets any gameplay with the, with the wobble. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to 10 flying, flying the flycatcher and some gangs with me and uh, yeah. see how it goes. It, it also, it makes it so that your warp disruptor you're talking about is, is almost a better call because now if you have the wobble, you can still point things. Yeah, for sure. Cause you're, you know, using warp bubbles as tackle is kind of a, a compromise with the interdictors that I have flown. Sketchy in gang. When you're an you know, it, right it's <laughs> it's pretty sketchy and it's it's not ideal because it's you know other things can just warp directly to it also is a thing it pulls stuff to it so you don't want to hang out there um so having a point and a web bubble i think will be a really interesting set of tools that doesn't feel like you're going to get your uh, own implants murdered yeah absolutely all right, well, let's move on to combat interceptors. Uh, interesting change. All the combat interceptors, so those are the ones that don't have the tackle range bonus or the, um, or the uh, what's it called, bubble immunity? Interdiction yeah. So they got 100% bonus to prop heating effect. So I don't know, what kind of stuff have you seen in Pypho with this? I know there's some bits floating around Furnace Discord that looks pretty fucking sick. Um, I mean, just the, the like basic Pulse Crusader fit that I already had, totally unchanged, now heats to 8,500 with no implants and no drugs. Uh, so I think people are going to be surprised to be tackled by these on a pretty regular basis. But I also think that there are going to be a lot of combat interceptors with burned out prop mods because they get no bonuses to that at all. And some of them have, like the Crusader has two mid slots, so you cook yeah. that MWD real quick. So, I don't know. I So, this is kind of like the hero tackle, like the epitome of hero tackle now. Like, I don't know. If, if you have some evil nano gang coming in your staging... Like, uh, would you, if yeah. you were, I don't know. I don't, I never fly that way. I'm always like the evil person, but like, would you, would you put your, your newer people that want to do hero tackle in like a combat sector now and just have them heat and approach? I don't know if I would put like brand new people in there. Um, like instead yeah, of the Ram Jag. Uh, maybe as well as the Ram Jag, like this hits you and then the Ram Jag hits you while you're killing the, the combat anti. Yeah, I think there's going to be some interesting ten men fits that show up too, because they're going to be able to go pretty quick and be real hard to hit. Yeah, but I guess that I mean, especially if you if you roll fancy dead space prop mods, then you can heat. They have better heat than than the other than the tech two, right? So or meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, you know, it. if you're if you're careful, you know, you can just throw a cycle of heat in here and there and get a lot out of it. Yeah. I think the the burn straight in tackle is going to be 
like dangerous for a minute. Fits. Dual prop fits with like a heated AB to escape. Seems kind of cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like dual prop Tyrannus. If it's if it the th the problem is is that everything can hit anything, right? Like fucking Kiki comes and you're just like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or or well, not everything can hit anything, but many things can hit a lot of things. You know, very like well. yeah. and like newts and drones. Like I really would love to be able to fly dual prop Tyrannus, but. Like this buff is so situational. Like, sure, for the approach or the escape, but like you're not gonna heat your A B in orbit to negate damage because you're just gonna not be able to track. Right. I, I would imagine. I don't know, I haven't run the math, but just my gut is telling me that you're gonna have a hard time tracking if you fucking heat your A B in a tight orbit. Not to mention it's uh, gonna like in, yeah. in a blaster tyrannus, you probably like you better load null before you do that because your your orbit is gonna become a fucking huge egg. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I think there'll be some interesting tackle fits, and some people I'm sure will make some, you know, the same people who are already using them for solo and stuff will yeah. find it another additional tool they can use. Sure. The last change to ships we want to talk about is the Blops buff, which was basically uh, it just kind of gave them. I don't think quite T2 resist, but it gave them a resist buff, right? They didn't get full T2, right? Yeah, they didn't get full T2, but it's um, a lot better. Like, the Panther's shield resistance used to have an EM resist of 10 base, you know, and now it's 37, which is in no way Minmatar T2, but is no. a, a world of difference. Yeah, it just kind of filled the holes, right, I believe? Like, I mean, a Widow still has the big EM hole. Um, but yeah, and even the... Yeah, the, the but it no longer update. has also a thermal hole and kind of a kinetic hole. Yeah, and the Marshall got it too. They all, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, the Marshall went from 33 across the board to 40% across the board. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I really love the idea of, like, nanoblops not ganking things, but just, like... You know, you're using your alt, and then you like bring in your blops to your roaming gang periodically. Like if you're getting out of range, or you find a fight, you just bring them in on grid, and then dual box. Um, there's some dudes in Gorin. Like, well, Casper was doing that actually. Casper was flying a redeemer. Casper and um, Mark were doing Mark. that with yeah, with yeah. Which I don't know. I think they they were doing it more for the challenge of it, not because blops are necessarily good at that now. The thing that's no, I I think they both did still is. Yeah, the thing that's been and still is their handicap is the sensor, you know, sensor strength and resolution and lock range are all like cruiser. Hundred percent. The fucking Panther has a sixty kilometer lock range, and they already gave them a scan res buff not too long ago, I believe. But like, I don't know. I have a hard time making any fits that are even passable. Uh, you know, they have to have a signal lamp or like an ionic rig. Yeah. Or both. You know, or both. <laughs> it's like, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not going to make them more powerful in their gank application. It just, just give the small gangers that want to fly blops a fucking break CCP and just give them like a, even like a, like a 20, 25% lock range bonus. Like, fuck. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, they're really suffering from just a lack of targets in general because you can only kind of use them for small gang and, what do you drop them on now that there are capitals everywhere? 
You just fly the shit out of it. You just you just feather you just feather cruisers all day in a panther. That's it. All right, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like a pinata for people. Like they see a panther, they want to kill it. You know, you know he's gonna be snaked because he's flying a panther. Uh, I don't know, but whatever. It's cool, and it gives like the gamer dads that like show up late a way to catch up. Right, <laughs> just get signed out in. Yeah, you just yo yo somebody. I'll pay you a hundred mil per room if you fly a Kavop signo on your on your ship, and then bring me in. Every time you have to, kids are crying. You just cloak up, and then the dude just brings you in when they're like six jumps off the pipe. It's it's fucking brilliant. It's the best. It's like the best. It's literally the best. Can't argue I'm, with the mobility. It's just everything else. <laughs> Right. Uh, so okay, let's. This is going to be a big one. This is like the ESS changes, right? So we've been talking about this for fucking ages on this show about the ESS. The ESS was so okay. Let's assume people don't really know what the ESS is. The ESS was a deployable that was made. I don't know, way too long ago. And the idea is that it funnels some of the ISK from the ratting bounties, and then you can interact with it. Uh, it gave, there was some incentive, there was a carrot for ratters to use it because they would get a portion of their bounties like back in Concord LP, I believe. Um, and it, so it made it more profitable for them, and then it, and then roamers could go steal it. But it was easily gamed, they, it was, Almost right away, it was anchored in like fully escalated uh, ratting anoms. So, like, you'd warp in and there'd just be like a fucking huge room of death. Um, I've stolen a couple of times from, from ESSs and probably got a couple hundred million isk. You would get it in the form of tokens. It was like an item that you would then have to bring to a station to sell to get your isk. So, if you died afterwards, you, uh, you know, they could drop. I think they're keeping <clears throat> that part. Are they? I don't know. It's kind of a cool thing. So let's talk about what the ESS is going to be. The ESS is going to be a mandatory, i.e. they're in every system in Melsec. You don't have a choice. They're there. Um, it's a warpable beacon on your overview that you can warp to that nothing else is there. It's a dead space and it's gated. You're going to land on an acceleration gate. Just like a faction warfare low sec site, you're going to take that acceleration gate and then you're going to land not exactly in the middle, but in a 75 kilometer sphere bubble that disables MWD and MJD. And cloaking and sinos and filaments and warping. Like it's. Yes. Uh, quite, quite the bubble. It, it's. Uh, it, it's quite literally throwing it on the table. Uh, if you're there, okay, so like, let's talk about what, let's, let's talk about the design, what we think the design goals were for this feature. So what's your takeaway there? Yeah, I think that the idea behind all of that, and also there's a size limit on the gate. You can't bring anything smaller than a cruiser or larger than a battleship through the gate. So no frigates, no destroyers. Uh, though I think someone did you can bring a frigate in in your battleship escape bay and then eject it if someone dies, I guess. I don't know. For the frigate purists. 
Yeah, yeah, but you'll have to. They'll have to enter in some other ship that they get out of or whatever. They can't come in in their pod. Um, so I think the idea is to make it its own kind of meta, so that the people defending it can like have the right ships for that setup, and to discourage random trolling from casual passerby, if that makes sense. Like I think they wanted to make it like something that people go out and do on purpose and defend on purpose and not just like ping in every system 10 times a day to see who wakes up. 100%, I agree. It, it's, it shouldn't, and it shouldn't be gamed. Like this is a pretty aggressive feature um, against ratters, right? Like these are people who maybe just want to rat. That's, you know, that's their gameplay. And this is very disruptive in that. So I feel like if it was trollable in a sense that like one dude coming by could just like piss everyone off by going in and then immediately leaving easily. Um, yeah, that would be shitty. It would be shitty. You know, that's not good gameplay for anyone. No, not at all. And so like when this was announced, people were like, oh, Phantasm, like bluff. 100M Phantasms oh. fucking suck. <laughs> They're not that much fun to fly. They have doubled or maybe coming up on tripled now in price, however. So if you were hoping to buy a Phantasm for something else, sorry. I can see a 10MN Phantasm in there. Sure. that's It's pretty awesome. It actually is going to have a, a very large um, benefit because it's going to be faster than pretty much anything else with, with good agility, right? Right. But 100M Phantasm, like... Fuck off. They're so shitty to fly. They like it's a bullshit ship. It's a bullshit ship. Fly something better. If you're trying to troll this feature, like, man, I don't know. You, you may as well go around like killing, you know, Anom Ratters solo. It's not, it's it's PvE, it's not PvP, right? It's not engaging. It's not fun. You know. Yeah. Just just get some mates and go try and fight these things. Like, I think it's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, and I think there's a variety of tactics available. At least on CC, you can anchor um, uh, deployable mobile jump units in the bubble, and they work. So if you want to bring a non-afterburner comp in, drop a MJD unit and jump out of the bubble, and then just cruise around outside the bubble shooting whoever comes in, you can do that. Yeah. I think from the defensive side, we're going to see a lot of nightmares and 100MN recons, and... 100MN bar guests and, you know, all the all the usual suspects, but slightly modified. But I think it'll be interesting, and I think the, the designated uh, landing spot, which I didn't test very much, but I got the impression it's like, you know, the, the normal 5-cam variance from a point will make attacking or defending it uh, really interesting. Well, you think about it, and when you... When you when you do some theory crafting for fits for this type of con uh, content, you don't you don't need to devote mids to tackle. Um, you can, I mean, you can have webs, but you don't need points. You don't need scrams, uh, and you obviously aren't going to have MWDs or MJDs. So, so you can go all in with some comps that are like typically you couldn't run because you now everything's being fucking held down. Yes, so. I think so. I think some of the like some of the hundred MN Legion fits that are just can't really deal with their three mids or whatever will be a lot more usable since it because you don't need the points and scrams like you're saying 100 men shield legions you heard it first 
No, please no. <laughs> so one thing that I mean, okay, so what about defenders like going in and just sitting at range with like damps and long range ships? Like that's it's gonna be pretty lame, I think. I think that's gonna happen a little bit. I think it's gonna happen um but I don't think it's gonna happen everywhere and i think that we in combination with these moves ccp is making to force ratters to spread out um with their bounty changes and stuff that they're talking about i think that yeah. you'll you'll be able to find systems that are ratted and have value in there and that people want to defend that aren't you know in or next door to captain full commitment who sits in a recon in the site 24 hours a day yeah, I'd agree there. But one interesting thing we're going to talk about is there's still some unreleased information on this. So there are actually two banks, if you will, in the ESS. The, the way CCP describes it in the blog are, are banks. There's the main bank, which is the, where the majority of the money goes, and it pays out automatically every three hours to the people that contributed. Uh, but it can be stolen at any time. So right now, that's all we really know about how you get is is you, you warp to the ESS, it's only, you know, the money in there is only since the last payout, which is every three hours. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be a known hour for every ESS, in which case, you know, you're going to want to be, you know, hunting for ESS yeah. in that last <laughs> hour. Otherwise, like, you know, that third out, that tick is going to go by and it's all going to pay out and then you're going to be there and there's going to be nothing in it. Then there's the Reserve Bank, which is what CCP refers to as the real jackpot. So it's a small portion of each bounty is placed into the Reserve Bank, but it sits there until it is claimed by someone who has a key. Keys are consumable and they are required to unlock it. Um, so Reserve Banks don't pay out. They only pay out when you have a key and you use that key and they're paid over at a rate that spools up to a maximum and then winds back down as you're there. So yeah. It, it, yeah, it's interesting mechanic. Interesting. They haven't said where the keys come from yet, and they haven't said like anything about the actual details of the rates, but it'll be interesting to see if you want to say like, I think I can be here for two minutes, which means I'll hit a peak payout of, you know, I don't know, 30 million isk a second or whatever, and I'll end up with this much. Or if I think I can stay here for 10 minutes and get everything that's in here. Yeah. So what are the keys for the reserve bank feature? What are the <laughs> what are the keys to the success of that for you? Because I, I have some pretty uh brought some pretty blunt thoughts on it. The keys to success for that to me will be a situation in which the people who live there don't just go in there every half an hour and drain it. For you sure. Because if, if they can do that, then who cares? It's so how, a non-thing. So the, I, that's what I thought as well. And so I find it interesting they haven't said where these come from yet. And I have two hypotheses. They're either going to be a, quite a rare drop or something like that, like maybe from a data site, which is the least likely, in my opinion. I think the most likely source for these is going to be Concord LP plus, it, plus an ISK value. Hmm. Yeah, that's a thought. I think that that's the way to do it because then CCP has 
a control as in there's a minimum value for it. So because it's it's ISK plus LP. So they can even if the ISK value went to like, you know, a value of zero, you still have that that ISK. Right. And and that means that there's a minimum amount that would have to be in the reserve bank before it gets paid out. Right. And it and it gives the you know the the people who live there a reason to draw it out as long as possible because the longer you wait the higher your your return on the investment of that key price is. If exactly. you drain it every time it's two isk more than the key price, you're breaking you're gonna even. get two isk. <laughs> you know. So yeah. so we'll see. I think it's yeah. important that the value of the key is very important because it's if it was fifty million isk, then fuck who cares? The reserve bank is just gonna get drained all the time. Uh if it's a billion isk, you know. Right, it's never gonna get drained. <laughs> it's never gonna get drained, uh, except, you know, when it's a very high value reserve bank, or there's a group that's just gonna roll. You know, they're just gonna come in and be like, "Well, yeah, there's there's four bill. Let's go spend a bill, and right. we're very confident we're gonna win this." Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I hope it's. I hope it turns out good. It's interesting. I was. Yeah, and it looks that. like they have a number of. I was looking at the, you know, the Hobo Leaks stat list for it, and it looks like they have attributes in it that they, that are pulling from somewhere, so they can change the percentages of which of each bank and stuff like that pretty easily. I think so. You know, in the theoretical world in which CCP starts iterating on things on a regular basis, they can make this better if it's not good to start with. Right, because were the keys uh, linked to the faction of space they're in? Uh, I don't recall seeing okay. that because that's what I was thinking for that. I didn't read that anywhere, but I was talking with someone. I can't remember who, but I thought it'd be cool if it was like in a data site they drop and it, they drop in the data site of the faction. So they're like faction specific keys. You know what I mean? That yeah, are then that linked sense. to that spaces faction. I mean, uh, like I said, that's a that's a stretch. I don't think it's going to happen, but I was just kind of brainstorming like the key thing. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's there's not really enough information about it to to make any real conclusions, but it could be good. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap up with um with a topic that a listener reached out in game. Fucking love when people do this. Like when people message me, like, "Hey, I listened to the podcast. Thanks for making it." And then they act like. You know that I'm like doing them some big favor for talking to them. Like, I fucking love when people message me. Don't act like it's a like you're a nuisance because you message me. I really appreciate it. It's super cool. Uh, but he's a newer to small gang player, and he and newer to Eve too. And he kind of asked us to go through kind of skill planning for newer characters. So we're gonna devote like a quick quick explanation of this. Um, first of all, there's like the core skills. What do they call them? Like the the I don't know something about like the thirteen. I don't know. There's like the, there's the magic fourteen. I think it is. That's that's the one. The, the skills that apply to every ship, like yeah. no matter, you know, they're really basic stuff. Like this gives you more power grid. This gives you more capacitor. Things that every single ship has. So you can just Google that. Those are always good things to train because yeah, it applies to every ship. Um. And then, 
you know, obviously the useful skills to have relevant to small gang are like the meta ships, the stuff you see people flying a lot, like cruisers, interceptors. You can't go wrong with that, with like frigates and cruisers, basically. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I totally would agree, especially getting started. You're not going to probably want to dip into battle cruisers or battleships because they're going to be expensive and they require a, a level of grid awareness and stuff that's hard to hard to pick up and hard to to learn while you're learning everything else. Yeah, and then, I mean, you wrote this in our notes, so I'm, I'm just going to give you credit, but I'll say it. And that's kind of waiting your return on investment on training time. So, like, uh, if you have one core skill that you are thinking about training to five, but there's a ship you want to fly, and you could quickly train up three le levels of that racial hull, uh, you know, training up the three levels is going to be a much bigger bonus than getting that one core skill to five. Um, For sure. The way the skills exponentially increase means a lot of the level fives uh, in terms of training time are wildly more expensive than the actual value you get out of them. So unless they're gating you from some skill or module that you want to use, there's usually something else you can train more quickly that'll have more impact. Yep. And I think if if I was talking to another player that was like, yo, Feral, I want a small gang PvP. I have no skills. What should I train into? I would probably tell them to train Amar um, for these reasons. Uh, Retribution, Malediction, Omen, Navy issue. Uh, would you agree? Not, I don't not know. Not just uh, Precursor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, um, because then they can cover, they can fly an Interceptor. And I think flying Interceptors is, is like literally the best way to learn because you are very survivable, but you get punished for making mistakes and you will learn. You will learn great right. positioning. And you'll, you'll learn at 50 mil a pop, not 150 or 300 or whatever. Yep. And then you also, without much cross training, you just train some laser, some, you know, some, some beam skills and uh, you can fly a retribution, which is a great ship that kind of flies like an interceptor, but you know, doesn't quite have the survivability as an interceptor or the speed or the tackle range, but it does some damage. So you, that's a very welcome ship in any gang. And then the Omen Navy is kind of the same thing. It's a, a cruiser that can do any tackle and, again, is welcome in any gang for a cruiser to get into. So, like, I think that's a really good way to go. But whatever you think is cool also works. You know, the Caracal, the Minotaur has some good choices. Um, yeah, I would say Amar or Minotaur because stilettos and stabbers and like there's some some good small gang stuff in that direction um i think the caldari and galente stuff gets a little more complicated and you need you know for the galente you need drone skills and gun skills or drone skills and nuding skills or whatever and it's ends up being a little harder train 100 i don't know so that kind of like i think that kind of sums it up uh definitely after you start branching into your core skills definitely focus on your navigation skills like for speed and agility and stuff maxing those out uh weapon upgrades five advanced weapon upgrades four uh is a really good way to go for for fitting a lot of ships eventually you'll want to get advanced weapon upgrades five for really tight fits uh on pg because i think advanced is pg and weapons upgrade is, is cpu i believe um like the retribution it's pretty common to fly a fit that's so tight it needs level five rigging for the locust rigs and also advanced weapon upgrades five um yeah so. i agree with that uh i think it's important to not not forget but not 
put too much investment and time into shield and armor skills as well. Because the difference, you know, you can get the compensation skills to four pretty quickly, and that's a big change. Things like that will make you make you stay alive a lot longer. Yeah. And also, I don't know, not skill related, but isk generation related. Like, this is going to be shitty to say, but like, I kind of feel like go all in on small gang and figure out, like, find a sugar daddy or, or, like, quite honestly, if you're like actually getting into small gang and you can't afford it, uh, just message me and I'll SRP uh, like 10 ships for you. Like, it, it like, my point is this is that you should be all in on it and not worry about isk and it's it's a very privileged thing for me to say that because i haven't had to worry about isk for for ages in eve yeah. um and i don't really pve but it's like if you're small ganging and then you like take a day to make isk and then you get back to it and then you take a couple days to make isk like yeah well it's just yeah. to feel like <laughs> like your issue with being paid for doing the podcast it starts to feel like you're working in order to then game except you're working in your game to play your game and that can feel pretty bad yeah so that's my advice just go all in if you need help with this just like just fucking ask me yeah loot all the t2 modules um the only other thing i want to touch on that this real quick is attributes still exist in this game and they're a relic of a of worse time uh, but they exist, and you have to pay attention to them a little bit because they affect how fast you train skills. Um, when you create a character, you now get two bonus remaps, I believe, and then your one yearly remap. And what that is is it lets you rearrange the points that are invested in those skills. And my advice to new players would be to don't do that until you have figured out kind of what direction you want to train into, and then look at those skills. And if you're like going all in on drones... Maybe you want to use one of those remaps to get all of the drone skills banged out as fast as possible. But perception and willpower are the, the main combat ones for most gunnery and ship skills. So those are usually a pretty good bet. And I'm sorry to all of you that you have to deal with this system because it's pretty terrible <laughs> and poorly explained. Right. At least you don't have learning skills. All right. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up there. Uh, kind of get into shoutouts. Uh, Famart is back open for business. Now that I'm back, I mentioned I don't PVE, but I do stock the market in Thera with small gang ships. Uh, I make a little bit of ISK doing it. It's like 10 to 15% on ships and uh, maybe a little more on ammo. Depends. But uh, but yeah, so I got that up and running. If you need a ship, just pop into Famart and check contracts. Check, sorry, pop into Thera and check out contracts, public contracts. It's all in GravLab. Don't go to Paleo. GravLog. Yeah, dude. Fuck Paleo, man. GravLab's where it's at. And then also just a shout out to new small gang players that are in less than 10 Discord because there's been some that have been perking up lately, chatting that are getting... One of them came out on a roam with the Thermo guys the other day. He was uh, in Brave and he left. And I'm not saying quit null sec blocks. You don't have to quit a null sec block to PvP. Um, but I just wanted to shout out those guys that are kind of like just getting into it because, uh, hey, that's the whole reason we started this podcast was to promote it. So it's cool to see. Yeah, it is. And I've I've noticed that too recently. There's been a, a, a bunch of really active people who are like going out there and finding little groups to do it with um, and not just sort of waiting for someone to publish a public realm who knows what they're doing. And I think that's really 
Excellent. Uh, I want to shout out the EVNT Alliance uh, Open, I think it's called. Their little pseudo AT, um, which they are organizing, which uh, a lot of their production is getting pretty slick. I've been watching their uh, their open skirmishes on the weekends, the last couple weekends. They're all on the um, Twitch channel that they have, which I guess we could probably link in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to watch those, they're kind of fun. Um, they just published the brackets today. I think they just sorted them so everyone gets to know now who their first round matchups are. And either today or soon TM, they'll have the actual times that those matches are happening. I believe the first weekend of of tournament fights is two weeks from now. And then there's two weekends. Sick. Can't wait. I'm going to enjoy watching that. Cool. Well, guys, uh, that's the show. Uh, Hopefully you guys welcome us back. And uh, (laughs) since we missed a while and I said I wasn't going to do it, and now I changed my mind. So that's it. That's the show. Uh, We're going to get another one out in a couple weeks and keep the ball rolling. So just remember... It's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.